0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with
1: Viator. Michael Kist. You caught me not listening again? Benjamin Solak.
0: You never listen!
1: It's the Kist and Solak Show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show. This is episode 91, brought to you by the fine folks at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow my work at BleedingGreenNation.com. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. As always, joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. 8-Year Streak Without a Bad Day. He is Benjamin Solak of TheDraftNetwork.com, BleedingGreenNation.com. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, how you doing, brother?
0: Michael. <laughs> Every day is a good day to be alive. Here in the in the wonderful month of April, preparing for the NFL draft, we've we've officially, by the way, reached. It's less than ten days left, and we're super bored, so we're all just going to say things out loud that just aren't real. Like we've just reached the 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 era of takes. Yeah, you know, in the single digits before the draft, where it's like, what if I just put these words in this order and see what happens when they go out into the internet? Yeah. So officially. I've definitely hit the wall in this class, which is why I'm really excited to talk all about it for this whole podcast.
1: Yeah, we've done mock drafts. We've done prospect rankings. We've done official visits. You've yelled about them. We've gotten our final episode as far as what, like the topics, range of topics that we can do, specialty shows or annual big board fight, which is always my favorite. So we did save this for a good time. If you're getting draft fatigue, this is still a good show to listen to because I enjoy this myself and right. I am done with this draft season, to be honest with you. The draft needs to be here. We'll be rejuvenated after that. We'll have nice hot takes for you, all that stuff. But we're still going to have you covered leading up to the draft. It's all going to be very interesting. We promise you here at Bleeding Green Nation. Ben, do you have anything before we get into the big board fight? Should we yes, warm up with I some fun talk oh. about?
0: Oh, I, just, I thought I thought you're going to say, do I have anything about? the big board fight i was like boy do i um but you didn't you want to know about other things i have nothing
1: we could save game of thrones to the end nope. if you got something right now let's go
0: i haven't i haven't watched the first episode
1: you scallywag
0: let let me tell you about paying for hbo go on my own for seven episodes a year i ain't about it and Buff also and this like i'm very i'm very sad i have this take i don't like the fact that i have this take because the people who have this take annoy me because they're very like vocal with it, and they're very like flippant and 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 discursive with it. I don't like that.
1: Are you talking about the, I don't watch Game of Thrones?
0: No, it's so, like, I watch Game of Thrones, and I've enjoyed Game of yeah. Thrones, but I really felt last season was quite poor. It wasn't even like the season previous was even that strong to begin with, but I felt last season, the first season, obviously, without the books uh, to guide the story, was quite poor, and I do not have... Uh, significantly high expectations for this upcoming season. I, I very much want to know how Game of Thrones ends, but I don't feel like I felt, you know, at like the height of this show, or like at the end of Breaking Bad, or like in the middle of Dexter. Not at the end of Dexter. The end of Dexter Horror. was. God awful but like some of my favorite shows were like i I couldn't wait to learn what was happening next i no longer feel that way about game of thrones and that's like like i'm still gonna watch it trust me if there's anybody who can watch tv shows he's not actually interested in it's me it's a skill i've gleaned over the years i I wasn't gonna put forth the effort to like make sure i had a way to watch it you know i'll I'll see it when it becomes on demand through my xfinity and then i'll enjoy it so i haven't seen it only thing i've seen is just the pictures of Bran stark people keep sending me (laughs)
1: It's been pretty amazing. And the videos I put together have been awesome. I, I very much so enjoyed doing that. So if you haven't seen that, you need to check out my timeline.
0: My family loved those, by the way. My sister found those, and she was a big fan.
1: Beautiful. Awesome. Glad I can make the Solak family happy this time of year. <laughs> so let's get to... The big board fight. Ben, you jump at the chance to say something before I steered you off course. Go for it.
0: Yeah, where where, where do you get off <laughs> Byron Murphy corner three? What the heck do you think this is? He's just, man. Byron I hope- Murphy below Justin Lane is heresy.
1: Hey, look, I am very high on Justin Lane, and I think you've known that for a You're while. You're very
0: wrong on Justin Lane. Justin
1: Lane, my 25th overall prospect, cornerback two behind Greedy Williams, who is 24. And then Byron Murphy comes in at 32. So he's a top 32 player for me. Not hating on him. I just think he's going to struggle on the outside if that's where you're going to put him. Are you playing him on the outside or on the slot?
0: Oh, heck yeah, I'm playing him on the outside. I'm I'm, I'm putting those ball skills wherever the heck the ball goes the most. I agree with you. Byron Murphy, if you're going to go up and deploy him in the contact window, I think press coverage wise, he has good fluidity and he has technique. He simply isn't the prototypical size you'd like to see for a press corner. It is worth noting. 10, 15 years ago, his size would have been like just fine for the prototype of press corner. It would have been just like average. We've really seen an explosion in big corners. I think if like you work with Murphy, he could be a fine press corner, but there's no reason to play him that way when he's so effective in off coverage. Either that's off man, catch man, or in off cover three, which is what he played predominantly at Washington. Byron Murphy's my corner one. Yeah, I see uh, that. At 14 overall, Justin Lane is my corner seven. At 61 overall.
1: You have him behind Savion Smith. Am I saying that correctly?
0: Yeah, well, the interesting thing about Savion Smith is that he's better than Justin Lane. (laughs) Just curious. Really weird. Right? Savion's a guy where, like, he scares me. Obviously, like, five-star transfer LSU to Alabama does have a ton of playing time under his belt. Tools-wise and the limited film is all really good. I just worry that his lack of experience will make it really hard to start him in year one. And obviously, when you're ranking a player 50th overall, you're anticipating a round two, round three selection. I have a late two grade on him. You would anticipate that player being in, in, in a potential starting role in year one. And so Stavion's got a bit of an asterisk, a red flag that we've talked about on previous podcasts for playing experience. Mm. For me, Justin Lane, wide receiver convert, ball skills out the wazoo, really comfortable down the field with physicality. I love it. Dude has no idea what he's doing, right. in my opinion from a footwork perspective, in the first five yards.
1: And look, if if he can figure that out, because again, wide receiver convert, and this is kind of what I'm baking into my grade, some players you gamble on, some players you see what they can do right now, and you understand where they lack and what they can fix, and if they can clean it up a little bit, how good they can be. With the ball skills that he has, with the press covers that he has, I think he has a very good understanding of press coverage, and very often squeezes the red line, and is very good at that. The problem comes is when he's off, And he has to cover someone like a Terry McLaurin who stacked him when they played Ohio State. But when he has to go in-breaking, out-breaking, that's where the footwork makes him pay. And that's where he struggles right now. So that's something that I'm projecting that won't hurt him as much as he gets accustomed. He's still a project. He's not like a one-year guy. Plug him, start him, 16 games, let's go. He might take a little bit more time. He might have some struggles. But I really, really, really like his ceiling.
0: I think what it comes down to, like, and and, and I always use Rasul Douglas as an example of this because it's very clear when you watch Rasul Douglas, long leggy corners are going to have problems in transition. And when you can find corners who have, who are high cut, who have long legs, who can open up their stride and run, who are good in transition, i.e. Greedy Williams out of LSU, yeah. those players to me get ranked very highly, even with Greedy's problems, yeah. because that physical blend is uncommon. Lane is, is slow in his transitions i agree with you press-wise he's effective i wouldn't say his technique is great i think he's balanced Mm. and i think he's strong but you can catch him crossing over and false stepping a lot and i think that when you go and you put on tape like a guy uh, against Nikhil harry early in the season against arizona state you can see that when he cross steps and when he false steps and harry's able to get an angle on him harry does work on lane he is he 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 matches his physicality and lane doesn't have the technique to recover yet which yeah. i grant like why should he recover excusable totally understandable justifiable to have him over byron murphy <laughs> mm, i don't like it
1: i really like the red zone reps where he's nice and patient with his feet that's where a lot of guys panic and back up and given give up space lane's not Ruff. like that so i did like that about his tape especially in the red zone with his back up against the wall Let's go to the top of the board here. Quinn Williams, Nick Bosa, we both have that. We both have Ed Oliver in our top five. Here's an interesting one. We are both team Brian Burns from Florida State. He is my number three overall prospect. I,
0: uh, I like the good players there, Mike.
1: I like elite athletes that test like elite athletes that can get after the quarterback at my Ed's position. And he's super, super young, so I'm not so worried about him being somewhat light. I think he can definitely add a little bit of weight. But man, are his pass rush skills enticing. He can turn a corner. He can do everything you want your pass rusher to do. Am I wrong or am I right?
0: Imagine (laughs) in this economy (laughs) being worried about an edge rusher being like five pounds less than you want. That's what I mean. Like I, I I can people talk about Leonard Floyd and Vic Beasley and I get it. Undersized rushers have a narrower I should say a lower floor. They have a higher boom bust potential. I get that. But when I see takes like oh, I wish Brian Burns was better with his hands. I just want to ask, like, what player are you watching? What? <laughs> yeah. What are we talking about? Right. And, and I think the reason that that comes to pass is because when Burns loses his hands... And when Burns, when, when offensive tackles get into Burns' chest plate, absolutely, it's easier to move him than it is to move Josh Allen and Cleveland Furl. He weighs like ten to fifteen pounds less. Mm. I would, like fifteen to twenty. Like you know, like I don't know exactly what the play weights were. So yes, one hundred percent. But and and this is this is the, the number one thing. You know, like oh, like you know, scouting what you need to know. The, the always remember the other players are allowed to make good plays. It's the most important thing to remember. So yes. Burns does not win with his hands on every pass rush attempt. (laughs) Not unlike J.J. Watt, you know, Von Miller and Aaron Donald don't win with their hands every pass rush attempt because no human does. The other players are allowed to make good plays. When Burns activates his hands, which he does with regularity, and when he wins with them, which he does with regularity, he is unbelievably effective in turning a a successful rush move and a half-man relationship into a pressure. When Burns gets you where he wants you, he's going to get to quarterback depth. You're not going to push him beyond depth. You're not going to be able to wash him away. His ability to corner, hand usage up the arc, turn pressures into sacks is incredibly valuable. And it makes him a very, very fun watching a very fun player.
1: One player I wanted to ask you about, because you seem low on him. I know I'm low on him. It's Rashawn Gary from Michigan. And look, man, I wanted so badly, and I actually... Was going to send you a corrected version because I forgot to put Winovich in my rankings here. Winovich actually came in at 44, which is where you have Gary. I have Gary at 29, which compared to the national media and how teams view this guy, he's a possible top 10 pick. I worry so much about the fact the guy that this was this guy was at Michigan and did not show any bit of improvement. He was another one of the guys I did like a summer scouting series on to watch the top guys and see where they were at. I had a second round grade on him then. He looked like the same player to me the following year. I didn't see very much improvement for him, if at all, and the lack of production is seriously concerning. And I don't understand the the arguments coming from the Michigan crowd forum saying, "Oh well, he had to, you know he had to do certain things to free up Chase Winovich. Chase Winovich is playing on the other side and playing better and playing more technically." I am just not there with Rashawn Gary. What about you?
0: I mean, top ten picks dominate their competition.
1: For it, period.
0: Yeah, right. Top ten picks dominate. In a way that Rashawn Gary did not dominate at the collegiate level. That's not good scouting, but really, like, sometimes it's that simple. If I'm gonna take you top ten, especially in a class that has as many defensive linemen, edge rushers, whatever you know, position we want to talk about as this class, oh boy, if I'm gonna take you top ten, you better have some dominant tape. And you just don't see that from Gary.
1: And you don't see like a takeover game. Like where's the tape, where's the signature game from him? Like we talk about Jerry Tillery when he when he beat up on Stanford. Like that's what like his ceiling or whatever you want to call it where where where's that game from gary i don't i don't see it
0: now it takes like you you know you could teach a monkey how to figure out why Rashawn gary was the number one overall recruit right like (laughs) when he takes a corner at 280 pounds like (laughs) jesus mary and joseph that's not regular right like that's, that's not a usual thing what does that look like at the nfl level for me where i have Rashawn gary on my rankings gary ends up as an edge and 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 i graded his traits as an edge and I graded him as an interior defensive lineman he was slightly higher as an edge to the point where really who freaking cares like if he was an interior defensive lineman he'd be like two spots lower
1: he's gonna move around anyway so this is right
0: as an edge so so if he's an edge then he's he's a he's a five technique right he's a true like right you know like five technique is right off off the outside shoulder of a tackle if he's a four technique then he's right on the tackle head up and that's a bit of a, of, of, a, of a dying breed. Like, Gary heading out to the 7 technique, wider than the tight end, heading out to the 9 technique stand-up. Like, it's just not... Oh, uh, you know, it's not a good deployment for him. So he's going to be 5 tech and inside. And so it's edge, interior defensive line, it's hard. What you want for Gary is the ability to get him in one-on-one situations, especially with slower-footed players. Because where Gary's going to win right now, year one, is with his ability to win with the first step and then to bend a corner. A player of Gary's profile, though, 6'3", 280, if he is an edge rusher, which I think he is, others don't, and I totally get that, his game is going to have to be predicated off of, off of a power rush, bull rush that he currently does not have. Hmm. And so you do need to pick a role for him, keep him there with stability for multiple years, because if he's going to be an edge, he needs to learn how to power rush, bull rush, and if he's going to be an interior defensive lineman, he's learning a new position. This is not what he played in Michigan. Hmm. So we've got too much work to do. Either way, he ends up being played for me to say like, oh, yeah, round one. I'm like, sure, because I just don't think he's going to make a strong year one impact. Year yeah. two, year three, if we get this guy right, we're cooking. This is, You know, Bob's your uncle. We're great. But in you know, year one, the impact is low. And so to me, that's that's a round two, round three player.
1: I really, really wanted to grade Winovich over. I love Winovich. Love him. Yeah,
0: Winovich was Winovich was close for me. Yeah. Uh, and, and the thing is Winovich tested a lot better than I thought he was going to. Winovich is, is your is your 7-tech, 9-tech. He's your stand-up guy. He's got some good versatility to him. Bend is modest, and that's fine. Edge 2, totally cool. Winovich
1: does well to win with his hands, does well to soften the corner to make that bend right. easier for him because he is limited.
0: Right. Good inside counters as well, which is yep. important when you're not a great outside track guy. Right. I want to ask you, Montez Sweat, 23 overall for you. Edge yeah. five. Yeah. Below Cleveland Furl. Justify yourself.
1: Both of us. I was going to ask you where he came in so high for you because I remember when we talked maybe right before the combine or right after the combine, we were both a little bit low on him. He moved up for me too, I was lower on him. I think he does a good job creating space for himself and really dictating the terms to the offensive lineman as far as where he wants to go. I think he does a fantastic job with his length like that. The athleticism that he showed at the combine, I don't know if that translates fully to tape for me. Close, maybe, but at the degree that the bend that he's supposed to have from his numbers is not the bend that I saw. And I didn't see him run the arc like that consistently. I think he's going to be a good player. He's going to be a productive player. But like the top 10 talk, I don't know, man. I don't think I see the pure pass rushing toolbox for him right now to be able to do that, to be able to produce at that level that you're going to have to as a top 10 pick.
0: I mean, we have elite weight-adjusted athleticism in the three drills that matter the most to me. But that's of... that's what I'm
1: saying, though.
0: Right. I yeah. get that. Uh, so so Right. why Yeah, why he bumped up for me. So elite weight-adjusted athleticism in the three drills that matter the most for me for edges, as well as the best score in the history of the universe – in wingspan, which also is something that I, I calculate in my grade for edges, so that number one bumped him up tremendously. Number two is when 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 young man decides to come out and run a four four one at two sixty. Yeah, when he decides to go and he decides to run a, a seven flat three cone at six and five and three quarters. I went back and watched a little bit more tape because what the heck, man? What are we doing right now, right? Nobody saw this coming from Sweat.
1: Let me let me ask you this because I remember you being asked this question on one of the Draft Network Twitch streams. Who is the better pass rusher right now, Christian Miller from Alabama or Montez Sweat?
0: Yeah, it's Montez Sweat, and I'm pretty sure I said Christian Miller at the time. You did. And the reason I said <laughs> the reason I said Christian Miller at the time is because, and I I, I still have Christian Miller very high on my rankings. Christian Miller. I watched his sack against Oklahoma Mm.
1: 85 times. Yeah.
0: Maybe even 100. Yeah. It's my favorite, like, play, my favorite rep for evaluating.
1: When he beats Bobby Evans?
0: Yeah. Against Bobby Evans, against left tackle. There's like play three for Oklahoma. When you see an edge rusher put his foot in the ground and just stop yeah like in a way like i just the angle like it's like a motorcycle taking a tight turn yeah right like the knee is barely scraping against the floor it's just like the the physics confound me to the point where i'll just i play it in my head when i'm going to sleep i just lay there in my bed and i think about christian miller just trashing bobby evans <laughs> and tackling kyle murray from behind it's an amazing rep so miller has as strong of a rush profile as like anybody in this class yeah big issues with him is low reps not a strong run defender and an Mm -hmm. injury problem which is going to knock him down definitely in no way shape or form am i off miller but montez sweat when i returned back to sweat's film and i watched his, his film against iowa some more and i watched his film against Ole miss his ability to win quickly within the first three steps with sheer length yeah there's nothing else going on
1: right but size yep is amazing. He gave Jonah Williams some problems, man, with his length. He gave him some real problems. <laughs>
0: yeah, I meant Jonah Williams is like, if we, you know, ask Twitter, Jonah Williams is about half the size of Montez Sweat. <laughs> but usually I'm bearish on prospects who win exclusively with size because you get to the NFL level and guess what? Folks are bigger and they're faster and they're stronger. That's
1: part of my problem, yeah.
0: But for what what Sweat brings in terms of just an elite frame, just like an unbelievably shaped human being. I struggle to believe that his long arm, his, you know, I would say, like, quote-unquote explosive first step. It's decently explosive, but the, the the length, the depth he gets out from under it, I struggle to see that not translating. So, to Ooh. me, Sweat is very high floor, yeah. and that bumped him up. It bumped him up above Josh Allen That's out of fair. Kentucky, who I'm low on, who I think is, is a much lower floor prospect. Allen also wins with explosiveness. He also wins in the first three steps. A lot of it is also his physical ability, but... When Allen's back is up against the wall, as compared to when Sweat's back is up against the wall, when they don't win in those first three steps, they don't win with physical ability. Sweat has a lot more in his toolbox than Allen does.
1: Mm, that's fair, and I like the argument about the floor with his length because he does win a lot with that length. So those are all very good points, Ben. Let's go to wide receiver because this is this is something I put my rankings out of my wide receiver rankings out on Twitter.
0: Always, a, always a safe play.
1: Oh, it's always that Twitter is a wonderland. But we both have DK Metcalf as wide receiver one. Can you explain yeah, yourself? Players. Because I must have explained myself a thousand times that I'm just about sick of it. Yeah. He, the athletic, the physical profile of an right. absolute freak. I'm not a doctor, so I can't tell you about his injuries. I understand the production. He missed time. I get AJ Brown was more productive. I am betting on DK Metcalf. He's not in my top 10. He's in your top 10. He's your six overall.
0: It uh, sounds about right. I'm pretty sure he's outside of my top five. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he is your 6th yeah, overall. Yeah, six. I like that. And he is my 14th overall, so I'm still a little concerned about him. I get some of the concerns going with him, because I think there's, there's yeah. the 3-cone thing, obvious physical limitations going on there. I was not surprised that he struggled in a 3-cone. He's always going to have, like, an extra right. step on comeback routes and everything like that. But the guy runs a four three three at, like, 700 pounds for a wide receiver weight adjusted. I think that's an actual thing.
0: Yeah, listen, so... Uh my all my positional rankings going up at the draft network and for Metcalf's blurb, just I opened it with, listen, I'm really I'm just not gonna overthink the very large, very fast, very strong man. Like right. I'm just not gonna do it. Yeah. And it comes back to like we like to talk about, oh, like focus on where a prospect wins. We're talking about like round three, round four guys, right? Like how can they help your team? Let's talk about Metcalf, right? Where does he win? If you like if you went to a corner any corner in the league and be like hey so i have a, a four through three, two 228 pound guy with a giant wingspan would you like to cover him that corner <laughs> be like, no uh please i would like to cover somebody else and you go but wait 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 i didn't tell you all of it it turns out he has a really bad short shuttle the corner would be like yeah i still don't want to cover him give me some <laughs> other dude right like you go to a coach yeah. right And you go to any offensive coach but hey i have a four through three, two 228 pound guy you want to throw on the ball coach but heck yeah brother They're like both wait He's got a bad three cone. Yeah. Good about I don't care. He's 45220, right? So we have a player who is utterly unquestionably dominant. Yeah. In a vertical third. We talk about the vertical third. Go, deep comeback, curl, like swing pass, I guess if you want to make that also in the third.
1: It's all your basic stuff from an outside alignment and you're taking outside yeah. releases right. and that's what you're getting. Yeah.
0: You can also throw in a little little bang eight skinny post in there if you like. Like Mm -hmm. you know, uh, Metcalf may not be able to take harsh curves easily, but like. Stepping into a bang eight is a very soft angle. It ain't difficult. You just bend that puppy inside we're cooking with grease.
1: And that's a good distinction. Dominant in that area. Right. And it's a good distinction to make because I think A.J. Brown struggles too with with hard angle cuts because there are different types of cuts for these wide receivers. D.K. Metcalf is going to struggle with some of the harder angle cuts. A.J. Brown struggled with it too. But A.J. Brown also is good at the the vertical stuff, the posts where you don't have to hit a hard angle. It's a skinnier angle. Metcalf can thrive Mm. in that area. He can run more than he was asked to run out of that old Miss 26 play playbook, which is also very yeah. important context concerning him. What was he asked to do?
0: Right. So when we talk about receivers and cuts, very frequently we talk about plant, break, drive, right, which is the, three, the, the framework for the three steps to get in and out of your breaks. So, you know, you plant with your first foot uh, and that, like, you know, kills your momentum. You break with your second foot. So you put your second foot such that the midline of your foot, the foot like a line that would cut in half your toes from your heel, that midline is now pointed where you want to go. That's your brake. And then you drive. With your third step, you get your toes into the ground and you explode out. So plant, brake, drive. You don't have to plant, brake, drive to run a post. You don't, right? Especially if you've got off coverage. Right. You don't have to do it. Yeah. If you've got trail coverage, you know, press, then maybe you got to give a little bit more of a shimmy. But if you can run sub 4 4, <laughs> I don't care what weight you are. You do not have to plant, break, drive, and do a post, right? And so, again, that that conception of angles and and the angles of wide receiver play, yes, is very, very important. The moral of the story, I'm not going to question the big, large, strong, fast guy, which brings me to my next question. Yeah. Why are you questioning Hakeem Butler, the big, large, strong, fast guy?
1: Because he's not as fast. He's not as as freakish as DK. He's not a 4-4 flat at 215. Yeah, 215, he's lighter. He's not as fast. Weight adjusted and all that stuff. He's just not. And it doesn't show up as much on film for me as it does with uh, with DK. And I also struggle with the fact that he, yeah, you know, I mean, people talk. Did he run a three com? Did he do any of that?
0: Four four eight at two twenty seven. Yeah, four, four, so he ran point one five seconds slower at the same weight.
1: 0.15 slower. Yeah, I'm saying he's yeah. not as fast. He's not as freakish. That's not. That's not same. as. Good. It's still scary. Don't get me wrong. That's the yeah. best thing he's got going for him. I get you there, mm-hmm. but.
0: Uh, what were you saying? No, you're saying something about his film, which is probably wrong. <laughs> Big
1: board fight. I'm here to shoot. I was saying was, I trust him. Even, did he did he run a three comb? Uh
0: No. Yeah. Smart fella.
1: Yeah. Smarter than DK when it comes to that, because DK ran it, ran terribly. Now that's all everyone wants to talk about. Butler said, I'm not even going to try that mess. And with good reason, because on film, he is not making those cuts. I mean, he still make the vertical cuts that we talked about. It's just not nearly as impressive as DK. And as far as getting separation, I think we talked about this when we talked about the overrated under prospects. When he gets to the top of his route, what is the only way in which he can separate? That Kelvin Harmon separates himself from Butler in that area.
0: You asking me the only way Butler separates at the top of his routes? Yeah. By shoving the corner.
1: (laughs) Like, really, really hard.
0: (laughs) Really, excessively hard.
1: (laughs) It's too much, man. And I understand it's hard to like knock guys for getting open when they don't get flagged and they can get away with it. That's fine. But when that's literally the only thing you can do when cornerbacks, get stronger and whatnot. And I thought he dealt with contact pretty poorly throughout the round stem, too. We talk about a lot with Nikhil Harry from Arizona State. But I thought Butler, when he got against smaller corners that got handsy with him, just I didn't know what he was doing. I don't think he knows what he's doing like in nearly any phase of the game. You have him high. You have him at 18th overall. Where am I at with him? Because I think I was in the the, 40th, I think the 40th. Yeah. So I still like him. But man, kid's got to figure out how he's going to use all that physicality, and then also get open.
0: Butler has has an advantage that not a lot of prospects get, which I feel bad about. But it's just you know the the time constraints of the job. I saw Butler early in the season. It was the Oklahoma game, I believe, it was week three. Had a dominant performance against Oklahoma, which dominant performance against the Oklahoma secondary. (laughs) I think okay, we'll take it with a grain of salt. But doesn't, yeah. As such, I I wanted to watch more of his film because I had seen bits and pieces of him. In, in, in 2017, Alan Lazard was on the team. Alan Lazard was heavily, you know, uh, like targeted. Like he got a ton more at work than, than Butler did. And also he had the outside X receiver role with all those fades and those deep goes that Butler got. Butler was playing out of the slot. And Butler's 2017 slot tape is very, very interesting because he has really, really nice routes from inside of the slot.
1: Right. When he's not being touched. You also anybody. see
0: him get more shallow and intermediate targets and his yak ability. Oh, okay. He's really, really nice, which okay. is awesome. You saw in 2018, a lot of it was him like you know judo kicking some 5'11, 180 kid. So you know it's the like grain of salt again. <laughs> but a lot like you know really good tackle breaking ability, willing to bring contact, lower his shoulders, and I really like that in, in a larger wide receiver. And so Butler has the advantage of having more 2017 graded. Games than like say a Calvin Harmon. I have no 2017 games graded for Calvin Harmon. I didn't do any work on him before this season, and so I can see two different deployments of Butler. I can see a big slot deployment when Lazard was there in 2017, and I can see an X receiver deployment in 2018. I absolutely agree that he's got problems getting off press. It's the biggest issue in his game right now. Yeah, only encountered press for one year. Number one, and number two, not surprised that the six six two twenty dude. Did not try very hard to separate himself from the 511 180 dudes. And that's just like, that's <laughs> the curse of being physically gifted. Right. right? Like, that's, that, and that's one of the reasons why I love DK so much, is because DK yeah. technically knows what he's doing, even though he could probably just people's elbow corners in the, in the contact window and then run down the field free willie. So I acknowledge it. It's the 2017 film that really makes me feel like Butler has a great profile as a route runner and has mm. a better profile as a separator than a lot of the stuff you saw in 2018 film. Also worth noting, butler's played with five quarterbacks over the last two years yeah i'm not surprised that his root tree is basic he has no sense of timing with anybody except maybe a little bit that brock purdy kid who's good purdy went down you know what i mean they had purdy for like six games this year or something like that. he either went down or he was
1: I like Purdy. Too. But either way,
0: this freshman, yeah, he's a good kid. But either way, like he, he had no chemistry with a lot of his his guys. So it's just jump balls. That's that's all you you know, you have a really tall dude. He's against a really tall corner. Your quarterback has no idea what he's doing. You're like rotating in walk ons, Matt Campbell. You're not gonna ask Butler to run multi break timing routes. It just doesn't make sense.
1: Devin White at thirty three is where you really depart from the consensus as far as where they have these Where do prospects. you have them? I didn't
0: even see where you have White.
1: Both those linebackers, Devin Bush and Devin White. 18 and 20. 18 and 20. So Devin Bush is my linebacker one. So I'm with you there. I'm lower on yeah. Devin White too. You're much lower than I am. A lot of it comes with the post-snap stuff with me. I like Bush more in coverage.
0: I agree on every count so far. Speaking yeah. my language.
1: Also... The over-aggression that Devin White has as a tackle, like, the aggression is nice. He misses too much because of it. He over-pursues too much because of it. He's hair-on-fire guy.
0: He is bigger Quan Alexander. Right. This is one of my favorite comps in the entire draft process. He's Quan Alexander plus 10 pounds, which, like, Quan just got 15 mil. Let's not <laughs> ignore that. Right now, right. a lot of people thought that was too much. But Alexander won himself a starting job in Tampa, got himself a solid good solid, a great second contract
1: had very good stretches of play
0: but when i see heat seeking missile spends way too much time poking his head in gaps where he doesn't belong does not steady himself into contact and is at times too passive taking on guards who are climbing to the second level to me it's just Quan alexander like yeah. it, the, i think there's so many similarities which i think it's very funny that tampa's gonna take him at five <laughs> but he's bigger Quan. and if you think bigger Quan is worth a first round grade live your life yeah i do not
1: now Devin Bush is a guy that I'm higher on than than you are. I think he takes more responsible angles to the ball. He's a more responsible tackler. I think I already mentioned that he was better in coverage. Where do you have him on your board? You're you're lower th- on him than I am, but I think he you're around closer to consensus. Thirtieth. Thirtieth. Is yeah. early
0: too? Devin White's also an early two, and Devin Bush is 30th on my board.
1: That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, look, for the Eagles, they have a linebacker need, quote unquote. They aren't bringing any linebackers in on official visits. If Devin Bush does not fall to the 25, we aren't talking about linebackers for a very long time. When we get back, we're going to talk about a few more prospects that we disagree on here on the big board fight here on Bleeding Green Nation, the Kissed and Solak show. And we are back on the Kissed and Solak show, Ben. We've got a few guys that we've talked about in other shows where we have pretty much the same exact ranking on them. I think it was Chauncey Gardner Johnson. There was another one, but the one guy that we're really close on that not a lot of people are real high on is our boy, JJ Arasega Whiteside, who ah. I have at 36th overall. You have him at 37th. We just missed it by one, Ben.
0: And here's the important thing you have him above Neil K- Nikhil Harry, and that's what matters. Correct. Now, of course, you have Nikhil Harry 38 and I have him 67. So that's a conversation <laughs> we can have. But I'm very like, like that's, that's, I don't want to say I'm proud of that take because it's like, I'm proud that you're better than another person. That's kind of weird. But I was JJ over Nikhil in the preseason. Yeah. And the humans were not a fan of this. And I think it's a take that's a lot more common now, now that people have watched Marsego Whiteside. So I'm really happy about that.
1: You told me about White Whiteside early on in the season, and I kind of watched his progress throughout the season and the way he was able to stack and track dudes and get open and use his body to create catching windows and a 50-50 ball maven that he is. He's just impressive overall. And then he comes out, and I can confirm that at the Stanford Pro Day, at least one scout had him at 4.38. At least another scout had him at 4.39. We were expecting four sixes, Ben. What happened? Well, I'm, I'm so <laughs> mad because
0: I thought he was going to run in like the 4.5s. which he ran 4.5 flat. That's like the official time. Yeah. And I was walked off that by a bevy of people who did not believe he was going to run that fast. But this is what's important. This is, this is what matters with the 40-yard dash. Track, background. Hmm. Our single wide side yeah. was a... 200-meter state guy in South Carolina where he grew up. Fourth overall in the state or something like that. He was, like, beaten by, like, the Clemson running back. You know what I mean? He knows how to get up out of the blocks. And if you watch this video of his reps, you can see wide stance, toes, shoulders way over his toes, low hips, very clear sprinter background. And that in and of itself shaves. Because that's the startup. That's the acceleration. Just knowing how to start that up shaves so much time. That's the big lie. That's the big lie. And I'm totally fine
1: with it. But the important part is he's not a four seven guy. As long as he hit like yeah. a certain speed for me, like that was a big box check. I don't care. It could have been four three five. It could have been four four five. It could have been four five five. Either way, I like the guy. I like the player. I like his play speed on film and a 50 50 ball. I don't know if there's another better guy out there. I mean, as far as 50 50 ball goes, and I know you can't run, you know, you can't live your life on 50 50 balls. That's just not possible. Then you'd be like Hakeem Butler or something like that. But our Sega White side and Kelvin Harmon, who I've ranked highly, are like two of my favorite go up and get it type guys. I love that he tested like that. Any other guys that you're seeing on my list that you take umbrage with?
0: Oh, Umbridge. Yeah, no, there's a, <laughs> the last word on our Sega side, just very quickly 4 5, 4, six, two, four five, seven. You still have to figure out and have a good plan for how to use him in, right. uh, in between the twenties. Obviously, inside the twenty, there's a very clear profile for how to use him. It's all the time, however you want, with reckless <laughs> abandon. But, uh, yeah, you have to have, yeah, you kind of have to have that plan for what you want to do with him in, uh, in between the twenties. Which I think there's a very clear role for him as, as again, like a vertical third guy, back shoulder guy. He's fantastic on slants. His success yeah. rate is out of this world. Yeah, and it's because he's very large. And it's hard to deal with him. And and again, we talk about track background. Basketball background gives you very sweet feet at the line of scrimmage. He is a great release player with a wonderful understanding of leverage. Good, good, good player.
1: It's like when Andy Benoit said that Kelvin Benjamin was very good at slants. And that was a lie. But you watch J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. And like you said, right. the footwork, the box out ability that he has, the understanding of space, and how he can create a throwing lane for his quarterback is is very, very good. one guy. uh, You asked me at the break about my quarterback rankings because I do my board separate. I I don't think there's much of a point for me personally as far as how I look at things. If I have a first-round grade on a Kyler Murray, then I'm taking him pretty doggone high on the draft. So it doesn't matter if I put him at 20 or if I put him at 10. You have on your board, you have him at 25. Is he your QB one?
0: (laughs) Oh, he's my QB only.
1: Yeah, there you go. He is the
0: quarterback. There is none other.
1: You just described all of the QB Go Show draft editions in three right. words. That,
0: and that's thing. Like I haven't, I haven't talked with Mark a lot this this season. I should, I should check in on those shows and also chat a little bit with Mark. Haskins is, is an early round three grade for me. Yeah, uh, seventy five in my rankings. Will Greer comes in a little bit later. He's my quarterback three at ninety two overall. Those are my only three grades in the first three rounds. Uh, which is bad. Classes, none of them man. are round one which is worse yeah the thing is like yeah there's there's basically two in my opinion there's two separate ways you quote unquote grade quarterbacks one is just in your regular scale with all the other players just to get a feel for where they are in the class like you know they're also players you put them on a grading scale you include their athleticism you include their production it's all well and dandy and the second way is you ask yourself would i trade up in the first round to get him or not it's just binary right. does he fit in the bucket or not and there's one and it's kyler murray he's the only player i would go and get if i needed a quarterback i would not be interested in going and getting haskins Locke, jones greer none of them you know if i'm the redskins at 15 and i need a quarterback you know i'll kind of do like what the cardinals did last year they just kind of like waited for a guy to fall into their range and snagged him. Mm. you know whoever it was it was going to be there was there but you're just not going to make a whole effort out of it you're not gonna to try to be packaging multiple picks together for anybody but kyler kyler is thrilling a hoot and a holler to watch does some really stupid freaking stuff but from a talent standpoint a player hasn't oozed like this since mahomes <laughs> ceiling is astronomical yeah hope he goes to arizona for his sake hope josh gets out of there for rosen's sake hope the cardinals implode because they're just a bad franchise but i hope Kyle as well because i yeah. really like to see him be good in the league be a ton of fun
1: if he's good, football would be fun. I said the same thing about Mahomes. I felt better about Mahomes. I still like Murray. He's my only round one grade for a quarterback. If I'm taking anybody in round one, it's Kyler Murray for me. Ben, I think that's going to do it for the big board fight, man. It didn't get too heated. We're still friends. Everything is good. You're squinting your eyes. Don't catch anything. You don't just close the board. You're fine. Everything's fine. We're okay. friends. I mean,
0: only- I think it's very odd how you have <laughs> certified decent player, Charles Omenahu in your top 50, but that's fine. Um, no, I like, I have him at like 52. It's cool. Um, <laughs> I want to see. I got to see if I remember where I have Elton Jenkins? Top yeah.
1: 30? Did he land in my top 30? Oh, he sure did. Yeah. He's a doggone good football player. I like McCoy, too. McCoy's in my top 50 as well.
0: Yeah. McCoy, have McCoy lower than Jenkins is, I don't know. Ask Quentin Williams who he thinks is better, McCoy or Jenkins, because one of them played him. The other one got beat up by him.
1: Probably McCoy, and he still got McCoy a couple of times. It's hard to base people off of facing Quinn and Williams, and that <laughs> that be your whole true. evaluation. I mean, let's be honest. Ben, let's get out of here. Yeah. Say goodbye to the goodbye gentle Goodbye forever. Listeners. Do it again. Thank Say you. goodbye to the gentle As always. Li- The timing of it is just messed up. Say goodbye to the gentle listeners. For listening. Listeners. Say goodbye. To the
0: and Tolek show. <laughs> <laughs> You're on Bleeding Green Nation. Oh, we do appreciate you coming by for Big Board Fight. This was this is round two of Big Board Fight, I believe, or was it round three?
1: The second annual of the, the year. Second big annual, board
0: fight. which is not bi annual. It's, it's like bi space annual. It's two years, but not bi annual because there's only one draft. Right. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Mike's, uh, Mike's Big Board is up at Bleeding Green. My Big Board is up at the draftnetwork.com. So you can see uh, the fullness of our rankings and also yell at us about stuff that we uh, disagree on with you specifically. Ask us for more opinions on prospects. The draft is nine days away from today, Tuesday. Very exciting stuff, of course. Uh, Mike will be around for the entire draft doing shows. I'll be with him there. I'll also be in Nashville doing live shows for the Draft Network. But there'll be a ton of content for you guys regardless. If you enjoyed the podcast, which you did, rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or whatever app you listen to your podcast. I've been on Twitter. I've been Ben Solak on Twitter. i Benjamin Solak. He's Michael Kiss on Twitter. i Michael Kiss NFL. It's K-S-T. Thank you.
1: We all we got. We all we need. Fly, Eagles, fly.
0: I have, I, to wait until they for- I have to wait until they forget what I was going to do and then pull <laughs> it out randomly in a different show. No it's prepared. Wow. Sudden.
1: PGN. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of.